tuned in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to This Miraculous Life on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Oliveri Olumba, and today we are hearing from a guest called Emotionally Lost, um, and this guest has titled her letter sleeping around but we are going to address that phrase during the show as well um so i'm here today uh with myself and as you guys know i started this podcast because i have an inherent belief that life is pretty fucking amazing and precious and miraculous and that there's a lot of bullshit and garbage that we sort of acquire along the way that keeps us separate from connecting with that awesomeness of life. And the goal of this show is to be able to connect with the miraculousness of life on a day-to-day basis and liberate ourselves from the bullshit. Um, And today I am here with a very special guest, Kate Warren, who has her own podcast, a sex podcast called Insert Here. And she is amazing. She's also a sort of renowned DC photographer. So thanks for being here today, Kate. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And as always, we're here with the always wonderful Alexia Brown, our studio engineer. Hey, Sarah. How are you? (laughs) So thank you both. So are you guys ready to hear from our writer today, Emotionally Lost? Absolutely. Yes, yes, let's go. All right, let's hear. This This. This particular letter, one of the things I said I've been liking is that our letters have been very gender neutral. The person has not identified themselves as a man or a woman, um, but this particular person did. So we know that it is a she. So here's what she has to say. Dear Sarah, how much sleeping around is too much sleeping around? Is there any right answer to this? After ending a serious long-term relationship about 14 months ago, I fell into a kind of depression. I stayed at home, trapped with my own thoughts, and avoided the social world outside of work. Eventually, to get me out of this slump, my girlfriends persuaded me to join them on nights out. They sometimes encouraged me to make myself available to guys we would meet, which I did. I admit This did get me feeling alive again and reignited my lust for life. Several of my sexual encounters over the past year have turned into flings, lasting weeks or months, but none have materialized into meaningful relationships that seem built to last. After a recent hookup, I found myself feeling a bit low and cheap, which is new. I've never thought of myself as quote-unquote easy, and always felt that I have been sexually responsible. Prior to ending my last serious relationship, I could count my sexual partners on one hand. This is no longer the case. I don't buy into the double standard that men who sleep around are studs and women who sleep around are sluts, or do I, unconsciously? I'm no longer an 18-year-old with raging hormones and newfound sexual freedom, But shouldn't I be able to enjoy my body and sexuality? Why do I feel depressed after a night of amazing sex? I'm feeling a bit emotionally lost 
and not exactly sure how sex fits into this problem or the solution. How can I balance emotional stability with a healthy sex life? Sincerely, Emotionally Lost. So thank you so much for writing to us, Emotionally Lost. This is, um, this is an, an honest letter and you know we feel you and we want to address a number of aspects of the letter. Let me just pause and get immediate sort of basic reactions to the letter from Kate and Alexia. Sure. So thank you for writing in Emotionally Lost. This is Kate. This is a really, really common conversation that I have with a lot of people when they hear that I host a show about about sex. And there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm, so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. But first and foremost, know that you're not alone mm-hmm. in this concern. This is something that a lot of people, regardless of their, of their gender identity um, or sexual orientation or experience, are worried about because there's a lot of policing especially around women's bodies of what's quote appropriate or inappropriate. Um, So my initial response to you is that you're not alone and that you um, are entitled to your pleasure and that you can start that um, by looking for fulfillment within yourself. Mm. Any partner is just going to be sort of a cherry on top of your Sunday. Amen. Mm -hmm. And that regardless of kind of how you're choosing to live your sexual life, that fulfillment should first and foremost uh, come from within yourself. Beautifully put. Yeah. Thanks for that, Kate. Wonderful. Alexia, any initial reactions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nothing as as beautiful as what Kate just articulated. (laughs) But um, I just want to also reiterate that, yeah, this person should not feel alone at all. It's a this theme, I think, of like how to connect your emotionality with your sex life. Um, It's something that comes up a lot when I'm talking with my friends, especially like we've gone through this undergraduate journey, um, kind of trying to figure that out and re realign what we think about when it comes to uh, being emotional, but also being sexual while being women. Um, So I, yeah, I resonate with this. Definitely. I'm excited to hear what you all have um, Mm. for this person. Right. Thank you, Alexia. Yeah, both of you. I and I and I really yeah, I love both of those reactions, especially um, the idea, Kate, that her emotional fulfillment should come first and foremost from within and that well and your sexual fulfillment from, right and, and we can spend a little bit more time within. talking about that well yeah, I love that, that. It, that your that your pleasure practice is kind of how mm. i like to put it right it's like a yoga practice or mm. um you know building any any skill set and and part of getting to know yourself is spending time with yourself right and so that translates to your emotional life but also to your sexual life you know so i think um, first and foremost. In other words, you can have a fulfilling sexual mm-hmm. experience with yourself. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really <laughs> that's kind so of true. And that's really kind of a powerful thing to sometimes the most pleasurable experience. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I, I think you can't, and we, and we talk about this on the show a lot. Like you can't, if you can't ask for something, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And to learn what it is that you want and need, you can ground yourself in your own personal solo pleasure practice and whether that's manual stimulation or using toys or finding some awesome like uh ethical porn you Mm -hmm. know because there's really amazing ethical porn that's being made now um you can any particular websites you recommend yeah totally um so 
Erica Lust is a filmmaker who's based in Spain, and she makes what's called ethical feminist porn. And Lust, we, L-E-S-T? L-U-S-T. L-U-S-T. Yes, Erica Is that Lust. her real name? Honey, I don't ask you if that's your real name. <laughs> <laughs> so she is a, she's a very, she's a beautiful cinematic filmmaker mm-hmm. who makes... Um, ethical porn is known is called ethical because everyone is paid properly. Mm. They're all on contract. They all are unionized, right? Like they're the working conditions of people making ethical porn are really are good. Got it. Um, and everyone are sort of like equal partners in that. And, and and when we use the term feminist, we just mean that like the the porn that is not. Um, communicating um, unnecessarily derogatory scenarios toward women. Right. Um, now, degradation porn is is a totally valid fetish that some people mm-hmm. are into. Um, but when we talk about ethical feminist porn, um, we're, uh, people are totally consensually engaging in whatever scenarios are set up. Got it. Um, so if we're talking, if we're breaking down like how to have a really amazing like personal pleasure practice, mm-hmm. you can kind of set the mood the way you would with a partner, right? Uh, you can light some candles. You can put on your favorite sexy music. Like, get that Sade on the radio. Right. right. <laughs> you know, turn the lights on. And then play around. Like, do you like do you like pleasuring yourself uh, when you're laying on your back or on your stomach or on your side? Like, do you like to play in the shower? Um, I think, in general, starting with manual stimulation is a, is a really good way to feel actually very physically connected to your body. Um, and you can do a little bit of reading before to understand like what's going on down south. A lot of people don't know, um, you know, kind of the whole, like all the different like physiological parts of the body. So I always encourage people to like learn what's going on. Um, the female body is very intricate and like learn your clitoris. Mm -hmm. And even if there are men listening to this, like learn your partner's clitoris because that is the gateway to all pleasure. 100%. Yeah. So Beautifully put. So, you know, I love this idea that you can have a fulfilling and pleasurable sexual experience even without a partner. But I also mm-hmm. like your last point, which which is where I want to kind of jump in to some of the things that I wanted to share emotionally lost, which is you said, and and men who have female partners, learn your partner's clitoris. And it, it is kind of um surprising that that has to be said right girl no i was you are we have all been out here in these streets and we know that like there are still a lot of guys out there who are mimicking um that's what i mean mainstream porn um not to be derogatory toward the people who make that porn um but mainstream porn a lot of times has like you know guys are staying rock hard for 24 hours and pounding away like a jackhammer, right? Like by and large, that's not the most pleasurable experience for either partner. Totally. So part of everybody having the need to, or the the permission to sort of connect with their own personal pleasure practice, if you're a male or female or someone who's non-binary, you can then build your toolbox for talking about what it is that gives you pleasure with your partner. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's kind of the second step is regardless of whether, you know, you're having a casual encounter with someone who you just met or, you know, someone who you have deep in, have a deeper relationship with, uh, communicating about your needs and both emotional and physical, I think are the foundation for like the emotional stability piece that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I say it's surprising uh, to the extent that 
you know, and and we can get into your opinion. I on wish this, it, right? I, w- I wish that the norm was that all men were like, yes, hello, that, clitoris, goddess. <laughs> that's what I mean. I in my in my personal experience. So I like to say, um, you know, people talk about how the patriarchy holds women back in the workplace. You know, in terms of receiving equal pay, mm-hmm. in terms of how their expression of really standing up for themselves and stating what they want and and being having a strong and powerful voice gets interpreted you know whether that's interpreted as strong and assertive or as bitchy or bossy but by the mm-hmm. way I, I personally have reclaimed the word bossy and I love being bossy <laughs> I'll, call, I'll call someone out if they call uh, me bossy uh, I will just say like if I was a man you wouldn't call me that right but I but yeah <laughs> but I have I I for myself personally I yeah, I, I, it's good I like being called bossy yeah. and I'll tell <laughs> like, people to yes. lick my cunt right like I will I'm out here for reclaiming words that have <laughs> been deemed me, problematic right so for for me personally, I've realized that being bossy has served me well. <laughs> but so what I've also realized is that one of the biggest areas in my own life that I do feel that the patriarchy has affected me is is sexuality. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I want to talk about emotionally lost, there's there's a few things. One, number one, as it relates to what Kate began with of finding this emotional stability within, I do want to unpack this thing that you do in your letter which is you speak about your sexual experience and the explorations that you're doing and the sexual encounters that you're having but then you also talk about your current emotional experience and you are sort of it sounds like in the letter wondering if those two things are linked but you don't sound certain and so the first thing that I want to say is to check in and and see if the way that you're feeling emotionally, how much of that really does relate with your current sexual experiences, because there may be a part of it, a part of it that is, but there may also be a part of it that w- would have been there, was already there, etc. Regardless of the sex that you're having currently. Um, and you mentioned that you went through a recent breakup and then, you know, you started going out with your friends and at first you were having a lot of fun, but now you're feeling a little bit emotionally lost. And so I want to offer the possibility of really doing a deep emotional check-in just within yourself to see how you're feeling about yourself and your life. And if you've been listening to previous episodes about your alignment with your core values Mm -hmm. and your core values as we've talked about really are those four or five or six core principles around which you need to be organizing your life in order to feel like you're really being you you know you're really living in a way that's meaningful and satisfying and authentic to you you know so so i want to make sure that you aren't putting all of your eggs in this sexual basket and that you have taken great care of yourself and created a full, fulfilling sense that you are whole and complete exactly as you are and that you have built up around you a life that has many, many opportunities to experience joy 
and connectedness and satisfaction and fulfillment. And I think that sex is one outlet for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also like thousands of other outlets. And so the first thing that I would encourage you to do emotionally lost is to just check in with yourself, you know, and, and find out really where are all of these feelings coming from and and seeing if you can get some information as you check in with yourself about where your body really because i think of feelings as more of a physical experience than a cognitive experience but as you check Hmm. in with your feelings where your what direction your body is pointing you towards and and some of it may very well be you know, sex and the sex that you're currently having or not having. Um, but some of it may be other stuff. There's an exercise that I, that I really love by Tara Brock, uh, called rain and rain stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and non-identify. And it's a really beautiful exercise. You can find it on YouTube to do as a meditation for allowing space for your emotions whether they are comfortable or uncomfortable emotions and not trying to fix or change or disappear those emotions, but just letting them be what they are and really creating room for them in your life. And then as you create the room, then investigating, you know, does this, does this emotion have some information to offer me? And then, you know, as you investigate, then the last phase is called non-identify, which means the way that I think of it, is as stepping outside of yourself and almost witnessing your own emotions. So rather than being consumed by a feeling of, you know, maybe it's sadness, maybe it's confusion, maybe it's frustration, whatever it is, rather than feeling like I am sad, you know, looking at yourself and being able to extend compassion toward yourself for feeling sad. Um, So this is an exercise that I think would be a great one for you to do emotionally lost just to address that part about the emotionally lost, you know, and and really find out, you know, where is that coming from? And it seems like some of it may be coming from the sexuality, but some of it may be coming from plenty of other things. And we want to make sure that you are able to address all of the above. So then the second thing that relates with what Kate and I began to get into around the conversation of the clitoris is this reality that, you know, there there is unfortunately still effects of the patriarchy. I will admit that the, the patriarchy has affected me. And uh, there's a there's a wonderful writer and researcher named Maria Shade. She wrote the book Dollars and Sex, and she does research around sexuality and In particular, her specialty is how economics affects sexuality. And one of the things that she does, that she writes about, is this concept of the gatekeeper model. Um, And it's, it's my personal opinion that the gatekeeper model is an artifact of the patriarchy. So when we say the gatekeeper model, what we're talking about uh, is the idea that men are socialized in in our society to to push uh, and Mm. to to take initiative and um, women are meant to be the gatekeepers. And that's why it's called the gatekeeper model, where we are the ones who are saying, no, stop. Or like, yes, okay, fine. We're, the, sex then becomes something that we're sort of like 
allowing. It's not something that we're enthusiastically choosing with a partner who is equitable, right? And so the gatekeeper model is really problematic because it puts guys in this position where they have to like be in charge all the time. And like, that's exhausting for them. But it also creates this dichotomy where um, because they're pushing and you are saying yes, no, yes, no, consent is then no longer something that is enthusiastic. Correct. Right, right. And and so one of the things that Maria Shade researches is, is this concept, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Kate, of beyond consent. And so the idea of the gatekeeper model and and why it is not a feminist model is because it through the gatekeeper model, basically the woman's role is to either say, just as you said, yes, I allow you to have sex with me or no, I do not allow you to have sex Ugh. with me. Rather than saying, I want to have sex with you. Exactly. Do you want to have sex with me? You do? Oh, great. Okay, great. Here's how you can touch my clitoris in a way that will feel good. Right. Or saying, (laughs) I want to have sex because I intend to enjoy myself. Which is a fine reason to have sex. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Like, that's enough. You know, and and I think, to speak to your earlier point about checking in with your emotions, like, uh, when you check in with yourself, you're like, okay, like, I'm feeling some dissonance here. Like, why might I be feeling some dissonance? And as you've said, like, you're you're struggling with how to balance, like, emotional stability and that, and I'm sort of reading into, like, connection, like, emotional connection with your partner. Uh, to the, like the physical act of having sex, mm-hmm. and so when we're when we're ha- talking about how to sort of navigate this space, you can. It's totally okay to recognize that you will need different kinds of sex for different reasons at different points of your life. So you are in a period of coming out of this relationship, and so you were sort of like. Uh, feeling rejuvenated and a bit like more of a you said lust for life when you were sort of out here in the streets and like meeting guys and like they were making you feel attractive because they were you know because they they were desiring you and it feels good to be desired and now you're sort of shifting into a new space where it sounds like you're looking for deeper meaningful emotional connections with the people you're choosing to have this Mm. physical intimacy with and regardless of whether you're having uh, more casual relationships with people where maybe it's just one night or maybe it's someone where you're like, okay, well, I'm also seeing some other folks, but, I, you know, but I'm seeing you and, um, and we're enthusiastically pursuing a physical relationship. Right. Um, here is what I need. And you can you stop, and regardless of whether your your partner is casual for one night or your boyfriend with a capital B, right, you mm-hmm. are communicating about where you're at emotionally, mm-hmm. um, what you want physically, and you're kind of giving them the tools to give you pleasure. Because ultimately, like, guys feel a lot of pressure to perform and to be good in bed, this very sort of machismo idea that, like, oh, like, I'm going to be the man. And, like, and you, but, you know, if you're with somebody who you aren't that familiar with, it, for, even just from a physical standpoint, like, you don't know how to do that and they don't know how to do that. But you can give them the tools to do that. Mm -hmm. So when you're checking on yourself and you're like feeling this dissonance, which is totally natural because like kind of like the, you have all these needs, right? Like your heart has needs, your head has needs, your spiritual Mm. self has needs and your physical self has needs. And all those things are kind of a lot to balance all at once. And, and communication is the way to do that. I think. Um, and regardless of, of what kind of relationships they are, um, you, if you can't ask for it, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I like this idea that you may have different needs at different times in your life. And the reason why I bring up the gatekeeper model is because you asked the question, 
uh, emotionally lost, you say, why do I feel depressed after a night of amazing sex? And so something that I really encourage you to explore is why would that be? You know, and I think one of the things that Kate and I are getting at is that there's a lot of, frankly, negative socialization towards women around sex. That has been my personal experience. I mean, we live in a like a Christianity based uh, society uh, that uses abstinence and police and policing women's bodies as a method of control. Right. To the point where, you know, people still like give dowries for virgins. Right. There's an actual dollar sign attached to that sex. Right. Right. Um, so in this case, um, you know, to your, to the language that you use, like men are sort of celebrated as studs if they have sex with a lot of people and women are, are marginalized as being quote, sluts. Right. We're seen as cheap or easy to use your phrase. Um, whereas like you can totally st- step outside of that binary. Right. Well, by and- owning your own pleasure and be communicating about what it is that you need and only be and only choosing to be with partners who are able to sort of enthusiastically enter into enter into like any kind of physical or or emotional relationship with you. Right. And look, the reality is that this patriarchal approach to sex still has a hold in our society mm-hmm. and people do paint the story of guys being studs and women being sluts and and this gatekeeper model still very much exists you know most women i would say are socialized that they will let a man quote unquote let. take their virginity totally right or even this and, idea that like if a guy buys you a drink you owe him something mm, or that's if you, the worst or if you go home with somebody then you have to have sex with them because like mm. you you otherwise you would be like you know giving a mis- like mess a mix yeah then your tease yeah. right this language we use to police or like guys would be like oh what are you just gonna leave me here with blue balls right oh, like god dude that's your problem like right. and, and, <laughs> and part of owning your own pleasure is in the ability to ask for it and prioritize it it like upsets this gatekeeper right. model that you're talking about exactly well and i think i'm glad you use that word because i think the word blue balls to <sighs> me is a great indicator of where we are still at so entitled way of thinking about sexuality because right like we use this word to describe a sexual encounter in which a man does not have an orgasm and we say oh he has blue balls this is so hard for him he's going to be in pain poor guy this is like a wrong <laughs> thing to do and then women when women have a sexual encounter and don't have an orgasm is that even that's like that's not news it's like a non-issue <laughs> yeah i mean it's like an it's like an expectation that that should be fine and so when i it, think when that's not the case <laughs> right and so i think that that is a great example of where we are still at in totally. terms of our equitable thinking about sexuality and one of the things that i want to check in with you about emotionally lost is Because you say you're feeling depressed after a night of amazing sex, what I really want to know and really want you to tune in with yourself to find out is how much of that negative emotion is coming from deep within and your beliefs about the way that you as an independent, amazing individual want to lead your life and what feels inherently good to you inherently meaning good to you regardless of what anybody else thinks about it or society like it's exactly it's really like 
like I'm a woke ass feminist, but it's still really hard for me to like, for instance, like have my partner eat me out for like 45 minutes and then roll over and go to sleep without feeling a little, at least a little twinge of guilt. Like I am, like I owe him something or have to reciprocate Mm. in some way when Mm -hmm. in fact it's just as pleasurable for him Mm -hmm. to give me that pleasure Mm. and have me just sit in it and enjoy it and take it in like I'm entitled to that and if and and he's just as entitled to be like it would feel really good to me right now if you would x y or z you know and and I can take in that information and say like actually I don't have the energy to give you a blowjob right now right (laughs) you know like you you can opt in or out of that right (laughs) but it's and it's hard to uncouple like what society has taught us about how we're supposed to approach these situations right uh and how we actually feel on the inside like part of being like a part of being an independent like fourth wave woke ass feminist is the ability to choose like you don't have you don't have to have a ton of sex to be a feminist but you also are entitled to your pleasure precisely whatever that means for you precisely and so i think what we're trying to say emotionally lost is that we want to make sure that you check in and find out how much of the lost feeling that you're having is coming from deep within and how much of it is coming from the expectations and the judgments and the stories that you've been told by the society and the people around you. And that being said, it is equally as possible that some of it may be coming from deep within. And as Kate implied, you know, you don't have to have tons of sex to be a woke ass feminist because you get to decide what feels best to you. Mm -hmm. And the only thing is that having tons of sex should be an option if that is what you personally decide feels best for you. But if what you decide is that it only feels best for you to you let's say you you try that and you just you feel like actually this isn't for me and you realize that for you personally what feels best to you is only having sex with somebody who you know really well and have talked to about deep emotional things or Mm -hmm. your own fears and worries and dreams for your life before having sex with them that is also an option totally but you get to decide Mm -hmm. what option feels best to you choose your own adventure for your your, pussy choose your own (laughs) adventure right exactly and i think also the challenge is that in having all of these stories built up about women's sexuality and what it ought to be I think that it has made it difficult for us to really tune in with what does feel deeply good Mm -hmm. and deeply aligned with our values when it comes to sex. And know that that will constantly evolve as you continue to change and evolve as a woman. What you want, to your point, as as an 18-year-old may not be what you want as a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old. You know, women peak uh, in terms of like physical, potential physical... They say like men peak sexually at 18 from just like a physiological standpoint. Right. Women peak at 34. Right. And like, so that's yes. the other thing that, that that was in your letter. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is so one of those uh, artifacts of the patriarchy. When you said I'm no longer 18 with raging hormones and newfound sexual freedom, I would argue that whatever your age at now emotionally lost you your hormones may actually be raging more than when you were 18 but, but to, and, and but we don't learn that well it, well exactly because women are policed and they're told that it's not okay to like 
to feel pleasure or like own their own pleasure as an 18 year old you're seen as like a slut if you're having sex potentially or in, and at 34 they're like well why aren't you a mother Mm. Right? Like, oh, you're not a fulfilled woman unless you're like doing this one thing when in fact, like, you're a person with a body that feels good at any age. Mm -hmm. And how you go about achieve, like owning that pleasure and achieving that pleasure is going to change over time. So, your job is just to know what's at the buffet. Right. You can. And know like and touch and touch base with yourself and see how hungry you are. Like you don't have to eat the lasagna and the steak and four appetizers and five desserts. You can just like have a little snack. Mm-hmm. But later you might be hungrier, and that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You know. So if we're and, and and sort of add tools to your toolkit. So if we're if we're breaking down some different scenarios, right? So like scenario one, you're not having sex with anybody, mm-hmm. uh, you, but you are committed to your personal pleasure practice, and you are learning different t- and new techniques for manual stimulation. Um, and there's a website um, called. Uh, OMG yes mm-hmm. yeah I've heard of that one <laughs> that lots of people uh, of all bodies should definitely check out it it like provides tools for uh, learning how to physically stimulate yourself or your partner uh, and so number one you should learn how to physically stimulate yourself in a way that feels really great um, I would definitely rec- suggest like getting some toys toys are a really fun way to sort of expand your repertoire if you haven't tried different vibrators I definitely encourage that um, a lot of folks have a good luck um, with vibrators that focus on clitoral stimulation um, first, since some people have some sensitivities around penetration. And then if you find that penetration is also um, pleasurable for you, you can start playing around with that. I would also encourage you um, to try different kinds of lube, to start, try some anal stimulation. You know, the, anal, the anus is a, a place that has a lot of nerve endings just from like a body standpoint. Like n- stigmas aside, like if you have a body and a butt, like chances are you can get it to feel really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you are sort of learning and, you know, wash your hands, uh, put some lube on your finger. You know, there are some like basic um, like safety and health things that you want to make sure you're paying attention to, whether you're doing your personal practice or with a partner. Um, so for instance, and we were talking about this before the show, like sex does have risks. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're getting tested regularly and that your partners are getting tested regularly. You want to make sure that you're having open conversations with your partners before you have sex or touch genitals about their testing status. Right. Right. And this, yeah, this is something we're talking about before the show and, and my, no quicker way to take the air out of your sexual sales than to be like, Ooh, little herpes flare there doesn't have to be stigma around someone who is who is um std or sti positive um right but generally avoiding that stuff is much easier the truth is (laughs) that most people have been exposed to something at some point in their sexual girl like everybody's got hpv for instance (laughs) (laughs) right totally but what i so i'm curious your take on this kate because my um Cause it can My be personal. scary, especially when you're like out here in these streets and like having sex with people that you're just like meeting at bars with your friends. Right. Well, in my personal philosophy and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open to you disagreeing with me on this yeah. and that's part of the reason why you're here. But my personal philosophy is that the reality that sex does have risks, mm-hmm. including STDs, STIs, uh, which are unpleasant and, and some of them ultimately can, can be deadly. Um, that there's a lot of ways to navigate that nowadays. Like you said, always, 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 it should be a rule of thumb to get tested regularly, to use protection. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, protection protection fails. 
condoms break. There are mm-hmm. fluids that get outside of the condoms. Um, and so that's something that's that's sort of hard for me to wrap my head around. And my personal philosophy has has become that because there are risks associated with sex, that that is an indication that that I I'll use myself that I only ought to be having sex with someone that I trust. And that doesn't mean that I have been on 10 dates with them. You know, that doesn't mean that I've met their mother, (laughs) but that means that I trust them. Yeah. And I think that it can be hard to trust everybody that you have the opportunity to connect with sexually and everybody that you might be attracted to and interested in having sex with. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how you would respond to that dilemma. I think it's great that you have uh, had the experience and done the self-introspection to figure out what your perfect scenario is. Because you're right, like these risks are real uh, and they can be scary. And so, um, you know, how we how we each individually approach mitigating those risks is deeply personal and ultimately comes down to what you're comfortable with. Um, right. So for instance, and, and, you, and you talk, and you talk about trust, mm-hmm. you know, like, and ultimately, like you can't ultimately like put all this on the other person. You can't frankly, of always, course. even if you're talking to people, like be totally positive that if they say they got tested a month ago, they actually did. If you just met them that night. So doing Correct. everything you can on your end to make sure that like your bases are covered. So for instance, like if you're comfortable getting an IUD, like get an IUD. If right. you're having sex regularly, I have one. It's awesome. It's the best decision I ever made I mean, for my sexual health. So that way, if I'm having sex other... with someone fresh, uh, we are using a condom. But also, like, I've got my own personal little backup plan for, for right. like, no babies. Right? right. The other, I just want to jump in because you mentioned the thing about if you just met someone and they say, I just got tested, you can't necessarily be certain that they did. The other thing that I want to draw attention to that I think is honestly really fucked up and and to me evidence of how the patriarchy has even made its way into our healthcare system is that even even men who do get tested regularly often do not get tested for everything that they might have unless they're showing symptoms and then they can pass those stds to the person that they that they have sex with um and so that also to me is a something uh, an area in which our healthcare system really needs to step up to the plate and change like i think chlamydia and gonorrhea are two examples of where men are often even if they go in for their routine visit they ask their doctor to test them for stds the doctor often will not include that in the test unless they specifically ask for it or are having symptoms Mm -hmm. and so they say yes i was tested yes i'm std free and they're not and they don't know it and and so First of all, I think that that is a part of a way that the patriarchy has made its way into our healthcare system, um, because any man who could poss- who's having sex should be tested for that. Um, but it also fits in with this question about how are we supposed to navigate having casual sex mm-hmm. and making be, sure that which can be really pleasurable and totally positive and healthy, mm-hmm. but does come with risks for mm-hmm. sure. And I think. 
um, like any like any experience that you have, a- mm-hmm. acknowledging the p- potential risks mm-hmm. and acknowledging the potential rewards, and f- figuring out like how am I going to mitigate this? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like this summer, I went bungee jumping on the highest bungee jump in the world. And I said, okay, I could plummet to my death. Mm-hmm. That is a risk if I jump off of this bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so how am I going to mitigate that? I'm going to go with someone that I trust who in this case was a professional you know make sure I'm like using protection so like the knots are really tight all of that stuff and that applies to sex too like not everybody's going to want to jump off a bridge so Kate (laughs) how would you navigate that dilemma in a casual sexual experience maybe it's somebody that you've only met once or let's say it's somebody you you met out at a bar and you went out dancing with your girlfriends and you are looking fine as hell in your cute skirt and <laughs> or some leather pants if you're me uh, <laughs> and you and you meet somebody who seems really nice and you have great vibes and you met on the dance floor and maybe you like did some kissing uh, like outside the yeah, bar made out right? a like bit. things are things are going well and he asks you and he, you know and he asks you to go home with them and you decide that that's something that you want to do before and it can, you can start communicating you don't have to know how you want the night to end, but you can say to him like, Hey, I'm not totally positive that I want to have sex with you, but I'm really enjoying spending time with you. And I'm really enjoying kissing you. And I, you know, and I want to keep, and I want to keep exploring and being playful together in that way. Is that something you're interested in? And then he can say yes or no. Right. Enthusiastic consent. And that way you sort of set the expectation. Like I may or may not have sex with you. Well, that's where the other part of this gatekeeper patriarchy challenge Mm -hmm. comes in is because, I think as women, we are often trained that if we agree to go home with someone, exactly. we are agreeing to provide sex. You're totally right. Yeah. So you can mitigate that from the jump, like before you even get in the cab with the guy, be like, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm actually, you know, I was thinking about it. I am not totally positive I want to have sex with you tonight, right? Because like guys have fragile egos too. You don't want to make them feel rejected right away. Um, you know, uh, we're still getting to know each other, um, but I'm having a great time spending time with you. I want to keep making out. Like that feels really good to me. You're making me feel really good. Um, so yeah, I would love to come back. Like let's have a drink and like see how the night goes. Right. And you can create uh, like a, a space of kind of advanced permission for what you do know that you're on board for and let him know that you are thinking about the other stuff and have not and have not given consent on that stuff and, yet. And so what I'll, what I'll add in here, and it's kind of a question, but also something that I've been thinking about, mm-hmm. is a mature and feminist approach to sex is that blue balls are fine. Correct. Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, that's that's their problem. That's fine, right? Like, (laughs) well, and and when we and we say like blue balls are their problem, what we mean is is that um, like there's there in the definition of blue balls, there's an element of guilt, right? Like they're guilting you about not getting them off, right? And that guilt, which is so uh, fucked up, it it fucks up the power dynamic, right? Because you want the like anything that you're doing. Well, and the reverse is not true, right? Right. Exactly. And so if, and if, and frankly, it doesn't, it doesn't matter either way. Like if there's an element of guilt or shame around something, like you don't have to sign up for that shit. Correct. Correct. Or, or, you know, or opt out of it, you know, so you can look at it and be like, man, it feels really good to keep kissing this guy, but I feel guilty. Or, you know, I, I feel like, sh- I feel shame because like, I just met him, da, da, da. Like be like, oh, shame. I see you trying to ruin my good time. I don't need you. <laughs> right. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Which, which fits in. Cause that comes with, with the fucking patriarchy. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, we talked in, 
previous episodes, you guys, about this concept of what I call the demons, which are the values that are a part of your current mode of operating. In other words, that you put stock into, you care about to some extent, but that actually have nothing to do with what matters deeply and inherently to you. They're basically things that you've acquired along the way that you're putting stock into. You are making decisions and having feelings based on these, but they ultimately have nothing to do with the way that it matters to you, independent of anybody else, how to live your life. So mm-hmm. there is a po- you often when there is shame, there is a demon at play. Sometimes not. Sometimes shame can also be coming from failing to live into our own core values that we have personally chosen and feeling like, mm-hmm. ooh, that doesn't feel good because I'm misaligned with the person that I want to be yeah, deeply. That's a great point. Um, but at the same time, shame can also very often come from these quote unquote demons, which are the values that we want to that society shed. tells us we should have precisely but like don't society, actually come from our parents, mm-hmm. religion, yes. school, yeah. every, our friends, it's, like it's every, hard. everybody who's not us. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> like I grew up in a, in an oppressively Catholic mm, heteronormative household. Like I went to schools where I only received abstinence only sex education. No kidding. Did that keep me from having sex? No, because I'm a person with a body and it feels great. Right. Like, if you're choosing abstinence because you feel that that's the right choice for you, amazing. That's great. Right. That can be sex positive too. That right? can be sex positive yeah. too if it's something you're owning for yourself. Absolutely. If you're a sex, but if you're a sexually active person, you can arm yourself with knowledge about your own pleasure, how to communicate that to your partner. And it can, it's like the most feminist thing ever to go to a man and be like, I don't actually need you for this orgasm. And by the way, I'm multi-orgasmic cause I'm a, cause you know, cause I have this, this female body and we can just keep going like the energizer bunny. <laughs> Did you know? And right. there are more nerve endings in my clitoris than your whole dick. <laughs> so like, yes, I will give your this per- permission to lick my kitty. <laughs> this is something that I've heard that one of the reasons behind this, uh, patriarchal approach to sex and the repression of female sexuality is that females actually, maybe this is sexist to say, but this is something that I've heard that females actually have an even greater capacity to experience sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's more possible for females to be multi-orgasmic. Um, well, and, but, I, and I do want to pause real quick because right now we're, we're using a lot of language. It's operating in the gender binary, which true. means we're saying, uh, Woman and man, or girl and boy. Correct. Um, when, yeah, when in point. fact, like, um, there are lots of folks who don't identify um, as any gender. They identify as non-binary. And gender isn't even really a spectrum. It's a construct like race. True. Right? So whatever, you, so for, for listeners who don't identify as man or woman, um, this all still applies to you. You are still just as entitled to your personal pleasure practice to find fulfillment within yourself, communicate like the tools that your partners need to be able to give that to you. And if that means, um, you know, developing like a relationship with more emotional intimacy before you choose to be physically intimate, that's fine too. Sure. Absolutely. So we do have to wrap up, but this has been, I think, an amazing discussion. Yeah, totally. Enlightening. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Enlightening even for me. Um, but the two, so the two main takeaways to me emotionally lost that we want to make sure that you and everybody who's listening has the opportunity to tap into is number one 
when thinking about how sexuality affects your happiness and your emotional experience, we want you to first think about your in, your independent individual emotional experience. Like, how do you feel about your life? How do you feel about the way that you're living your life? Do you feel that you are doing things, behaving in ways, engaging in things that you feel deeply and truly good about? I'm excited. Are you, yeah, are you able to fulfill those values that truly matter to you? And the ideal thing, I think, is to enter into all of our sexual experiences and perhaps even furthermore, any relationship feeling that we are already a whole Mm -hmm. and complete individual. And so that's number one. And then secondly, as a woman who is learning to understand and embrace and explore her sexuality to acknowledge that we have most of us grown up in this patriarchal society that does put certain stories and narratives mm-hmm. and expectations and judgments around female sexuality. And so it is so important to explore that and explore how that has affected us personally and explore how that affects our experience of sex, our ability to experience pleasure, our sexual choices, and to decouple Mm -hmm. what feels good to us as an individual from how we think society is going to judge us, how we think our family is going to judge us, you know, from what the world around us seems to expect or say about us. You can throw all those things away. You don't need to hold on to them. And when you throw them away, you create a lot more space to be able to listen to yourself. Right. And the truth is that it's it's hard to throw them away. So even Mm -hmm. as we are in the process of throwing them away, the sort of remnants will still be there. So that's when this idea that I talked about in previous episode of attuning with what are your demons and how are they affecting you so that when you have a feeling, including in your sexual experiences, you can examine like, do I feel uncomfortable? Do I feel self-conscious because of what I think other people are going to think? Or do I feel uncomfortable and self-conscious because of what I truly think? And when we are able to distinguish those things, the choices that we make next become very different and also become choices that we can really feel empowered in and own and have consistency in making moving forward, right? Because when we make choices from those demons and from the judgments of others, there's, there's a lot of volatility and often we have trouble A, sticking with those decisions because they're not really coming from us and B, there is sort of high highs and low lows in terms of our level of fulfillment. And so emotionally lost, we don't know what's going to feel best to you sexually. Maybe it is having lots of sex. Maybe it's maybe it's just exploring your sex as an individual. So it could be any of those things. And we want you to have permission to explore that spectrum and sort of set aside the demons that society has put upon us as females who are also sexual beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two main takeaways. Kate, is there any any other takeaways that you want our listeners to have today? Uh, no, I think I think you really covered it. That's really well said. Um, you know, recognizing that emotions like shame and guilt, mm. you know, are really are there to like 
deny you the pleasure that you are entitled to mm-hmm. as a person with a body that feel, can feel really good. Right, right. And the and the thing I'll add, I think we talked about this off air in the beginning, is that, yeah, a shame, very when shame is there, there is very often a demon or one of those external values at play. And at the same time, shame can come from behaving in a way that is misaligned with our own personal values. And so it's an emotion that we want to be aware of and that we want to get to the bottom of where is this coming from? Is this coming from a belief that I truly deeply hold or is this coming from a belief that I've adopted about what other people think of me and in which case the choices that we make next become very different, right, Kate? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here, Kate. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing all your tools. I feel like everybody is going to have a more pleasurable sex life after this episode. (laughs) Everyone's entitled to that. And if they want to learn more, they can listen to our podcast, which is called Insert Here. Mm. So you can search on iTunes or wherever else you listen. You can also find us online at insertherepodcast.fullserviceradio.org. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Kate. I hope all of you will tune in to learn more. And I hope that you will send us your letters for anything that you're experiencing that you think may be keeping you away or moving you closer to experiencing the true miraculousness of life. And you can always send me your letters at sarah at thismiraculouslife.com. Thanks for tuning in with us today. You've just listened to this program on Full Service Radio, recording and broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programs are available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets can be accessed on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 local shows with over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO and on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>